welcome to the Neo News Today podcast. I am your host, Dylan, of Neo News Today. In episode 29 of the NNT pod, I had a chance to sit down and speak with Fabio Conison, the co-founder and CBO of Nash. Nash is a fintech company that was born out of the Neo ecosystem in 2017 and was co-founded by five members who are part of the Neo community developer group, COZ. Nash uses blockchain as an infrastructure for the digital finance space. Their products are entirely oriented in a non-custodial manner that allows its users to invest, trade, and make payments using digital assets. This means that at no point does Nash maintain ownership or control of any of its users' funds. Examples of Nash products include a non-custodial exchange, funds management tools, and a payment platform that uses the exchange to convert various types of digital assets and currencies. It had been about a year since the last time Fabio and I caught up, which was at Neo DevCon in Seattle in February 2019. And frankly, it was pretty awesome to be able to catch up with him. In today's conversation, Fabio and I talked about his insight into building a non-custodial infrastructure from scratch, differences in the needs of retail users versus professional traders, the launch of Bitcoin trading on the Nash exchange, increasing volume on the Nash platform, the speed of Nash platform processes, Nash's focus on finishing fiat ramps and Nash pay, then refining and growing the platform. We talk about the Nash community, alternative currencies, Fabio's perspective on monetary policies and how cryptocurrency acts as a solution, how Nash safeguards its users against DeFi hacks, and the increasing professionalization of the blockchain industry. So I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Hey guys, welcome to the Neo News Today podcast. Today we are speaking with Fabio Conison, the Chief Business Officer of Nash. How are you doing today, Fabio? Doing great. Thank you for having me, Neo. Yeah, really good to talk again. Absolutely. I think the last time we caught up was at Neo DevCon during uh, one of the interviews there. Yeah, it was in Seattle, yeah. Yeah. Um, so kind of just jumping right into this, can you help paint a picture for... Um, what the complexities have looked like in building essentially a, a non-custodial infrastructure from scratch. It's, <laughs> it's way more than an interview. Um, I, I think there's many. Uh, and the thing is to get, it, it's the Pareto uh, issue, you know, 80% of, of the solution requires 20% of the time. But the, the last mile, the final 20% is really out the details. And, and details require a lot of time. So I, I would say it was very fast to get to the first um, 99 kilometers. But the last mile has been really challenging. And so 
it, it is like, a, you know, I, I, I fully understand why the Bitcoin community is dealing with uh, state channels uh, and still working on it like after so many years. It's, it's not easy to handle all the cases in, in such a way that um, the user experience is good, right? So I think that that's the core, like getting the user experience to be good while providing the, ba the basic technology is really hard. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of a, a lot of uh, complexity that you end up building, so that the user doesn't have complexity. And, and so, one of these complexities uh, might have been the the process of developing the decentralized APIs for um, multi-party computations. So, how important was the implementation of this protocol for the Nash Exchange? was really important so since the beginning actually we have been looking to this i think i shared um a presentation from from linda which is a, a professor um in israel that's the leader in mpc uh about two years ago with the founders and at the time i was i was talking to them like we need this for some security properties and the reality here is that there is a duality in the market. So retail users, they are only they are usually the ones that suffer when exchanges go down. So like crypto here, you know, everybody who is more than a year has has been through that, and you know, it just doesn't exist anymore. And where are the tokens? You know, I had tokens there that I have no idea what's coming about. I had like not even an email, and I. And I send it by. So the retail users really wanted uh, self-custody because of these issues. But when you look at like professional traders, they normally have contracts and they normally have setups that they don't actually want uh, the custody. To, to a setup where uh, you have a custodian, like uh, there's many famous ones like uh, on-chain custodian or Bitco. Uh, those are uh, companies specialized only in owning the assets of someone else, right? Um, so those those professional traders, they don't want to have custody because they have many employees and they don't want every employee to have uh, the potential to to drain their accounts, right? Like imagine it's your company, and if everybody in your company has to have access to the bank account, it's like a, it's a bit uh, mad, right? So. So DEXs had this issue. You solved a problem for retail and you introduced a problem for algorithm traders and market makers. And the MPC, uh, the decentralized API keys, it closes this issue. Mm. So now there is no custody issue anymore for, for big traders and algorithm traders. And there's no custody issues for retail users. So really is the, the best of both worlds. Very cool. Um, in a very recent interview, Ethan shared that Bitcoin trading is now available on the Nash exchange. So do you want to yeah. share a little bit about um, what that process was like and what that means for Nash users moving forward? So basically, um, even though the interfaces are the same, so again, we are providing a user experience that's the same for users trading Bitcoin. The system uh, under the hood is very different from the Ethereum and EO system. And it's actually, uh, I would call this like just generation one, but uh, users should not see the difference when we go from generation one to generation two. 
but there is a lot of uh, tech that we can improve, that we continue to improve behind the scenes there. It's really a breakthrough for us because uh, Bitcoin is the biggest market, right? Uh, we are here because of Bitcoin. Satoshi is the father of the industry. So trading Bitcoin is really important for an exchange. Um, and we are very happy to provide this to the users. That's... um. Yeah, it's been, it's been, a the community has been speaking about getting these contracts live for quite a while. So I understand that there's probably a lot of complexities that, that went into that. So now that we have the Bitcoin trading contracts live, um, what are maybe some next steps for Nash and how they plan to increase the volume on the platform now that we have one of the larger cryptocurrencies uh, that is able to be traded on the exchange? Right. Right, so both the MPC and Bitcoin trading, they come together here, right? So that we can go after uh, like um, bot companies, market makers and, and show, hey, we have the biggest market and we have the, the best um, security setup. But uh, there's a third wheel here that's um, not talking a lot, um, which is the speed. Because when you think about the major centralized exchanges, the reason algorithm traders uh, choose one or the other, really is liquidity and speed. So we have been optimizing things like a lot inside Nash so that we are not only like the safest, but also the fastest exchange. And um, I think our, our community has noticed it. Like you can just enter an exchange, place an order and cancel an order, you see how fast it is. We are aiming to be below 100 milliseconds to, to create an order. And this is like you are engaging in a multi-party computation protocol, uh, trading within a state channel, cross-chain, all under 100 milliseconds. So it's like a lot of work to get like the, the fastest thing. So with this, we can go after all these traders and we can really push volume, right? That's the goal. Uh, and of course, we don't want to grow too much anymore in, in services. So the only things missing are uh, Nash Yeti ramp, which um, should be like coming really soon. We are already testing this internally. So it's, it's like a, those uh, last couple of weeks where you are uh, fixing any last minute things, but it should go live uh, like as soon as ready. I'd say a couple of weeks, it should be live. And then we have Nash Pay, which builds on top of everything, right? So it's like, we have the exchange, the fiat ramps, and you know, using everything is, is Nash Pay, and that's it. It's like it's enough uh, work, you know. It's like then it's, it's our focus really is just to grow this platform, not not to build more stuff on it. So everything will look out of new stuff. Like um, I was just commenting. Uh, so Ethan is now chief of research, and Luciano is the chief of technology. So. Research, uh, the Ethan team will be looking at inside the products we have, uh, what more benefits we can offer to the users. So, for example, uh, it's looking at uh, perpetual contracts, future contracts, uh, leverage, uh, this kind of things. But inside the Nash Exchange, it's like we're not launching another product, but things inside the exchange. So, really, is that the continuous. Um, untireable uh, uh, refinement of the platform and pushing more people, more companies, more partners. Uh, and I hope the community really goes together with us on this. I've noticed that Nash has one of the more uh, 
the community has a, a voice. Uh, however, yeah. Nash has also recently surpassed 10 million necks that have been staked. So what yeah. does this metric mean to you? And uh, what does this say to the Nash team about the community support for Nash and the platform's future? I think this this just say so we have about three thousand people that have the locked their this their funds there, right? So it says there's a lot of people who believe in the company, and and this is really important for us. But also, it's like the upside of Nash, like. When you pay a fee on Ash, you are not giving Fabio or Luciano or Ethan or Fabian. You are giving 300, like 3,000 people uh, the portion of those fees, which is, I think is the whole idea behind the new finance, right? Mm -hmm. Is to be inclusive. So it, it's, it's exciting to distribute back to the community through these ways. Like they are really part of the project. And and at the same time, it's like these are three thousand people that really have an incentive to to push Nash, right? Like to uh, help us become better. So we we have like feedback threads, and these people say good and bad things about us all the time. Uh, <laughs> sometimes more bad than good, and sometimes more good than bad. But it's, it's part of the deal. And also, they help promote the promote the, uh, the platform as a whole. So uh, in a recent tweet, you referenced using alternative currencies when you were growing up in Brazil. And yeah. today we're seeing all sorts of crazy activity in traditional markets like equities, oil, the United States dollar. They're responding erratically to this global pandemic. So what does all this say about traditional assets versus digital assets? And how does all this integrate with the work that you're doing at Nash? Right. So my comment was I, I have had shit coins since a kid, right? <laughs> because if you hold uh, like a, a Cruzeiro, which is an old currency in Brazil, it's a completely shit coin. So. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, and it's a shame that a lot of people is holding shit coins now and they don't know. But I think one thing people don't realize is that since uh, a few years back, right? Like let's say uh, three or, or or more, three or four generations, most currencies are just a trust uh, deal, right? So. And, and people have not signed this deal, right? It's like it's an implicit deal that you are born into. And the thing is, you are trusting uh, this entity, which is the central bank. Um, I will call central bank, but this, each, some countries is divided in different entities. Um, to have what we say is a monetary policy. And that monetary policy should be um, reasonable. Okay, so when when we talk about Bitcoin and the mining, like you have two things that happen in Bitcoin: it's uh, constant inflation, right? And it's is and there is a game to decide who who wins this inflation, right? So it's like um, whoever is winning the inflation must be providing some service that makes sense to the owner of, the, of that inflation, right? And this Bitcoin is set up in such a way that works. Um, I would not say it's perfect, but but it's, it's great. It's, it's, it works. And the reality is 
the central banks of those places, every place, like every country, is run by people. And you have good central bankers and you have bad central bankers. And sometimes, and sometimes I, I can't, it's not, it, it's really people. So um, you can have a good central banker in US for some time and then a bad central bank in US for some time. And the central bank is the same, right? Um, and sometimes a bad central banker can make your money a shitcoin. So when we see these enormous quantitative easings that are happening, um, it, it's like uh, it depends on how each of those central bankers handle this. But there's a high chance that a lot of currencies will become shitcoins. And when you see, uh, like, when I see a central bank buying bonds, like uh, they are buying uh, debt from companies, right? So when they buy a bond for a corporation, that's that's what meaning. And when they do that, they are saying that um, you you should trust more on the value of the equity of those companies than in the cash itself, right? And and then when you think about it, it's better for you to hold uh, equity in those companies, which the debt, so they are doing debt that is becoming cheaper because money is valuing less. So it's, it's like a completely crazy setup. It's, it's, uh, you are um, privatizing uh, the value, the, the, um, the, the cash system, right? Mm-hmm. A true equity uh, uh, possession. It's very complicated, but it's not good for whoever has cash. And when you look at it, majority of people have cash, not equity in, in Microsoft or or GE. You know, it's like, a, yeah, it's a not pretty, not pretty for sure. So Bitcoin, it's a solution, right? It's a, a stable monetary policy. It's not only a digital currency. Even if Bitcoin was physical, right? If it was cash-like dollar, there is a fundamental difference here, which is the monetary policy behind Bitcoin. So the fact that Bitcoin is digital, it's um, uncensorable, like all the other features just make it so much better, but just for the monetary policy, it was better. And what Nash does, and um, not only Nash, but a lot of people in our industry uh, does is bring this to anyone, right? So you can enter Nash.io anywhere, and you can create your wallet and hold your currency there. And you can think that that's not possible. Like if you go now uh, in Colorado or in Vienna and you want to have uh, a currency which has a reasonable um, central bank, I don't know. Let's say maybe. Maybe this is uh, uh, the Swiss franc. Uh, I, I'm not saying it is, but maybe it is. How do you acquire Swiss francs to have it? And can you hold Swiss francs in your bank? Right? It's, it's not very accessible. Mm-hmm. But when you have Nash, it's very easy to have Bitcoin to hold your Bitcoin there and then secure your value, like your wealth. It's something that's not being corroded uh, on purpose, right? Like the central banks are doing this on purpose. They are corroding the value of the money so that they can redistribute this inflation for things that they uh, think is valuable. So the same way 
the monetary policy in Bitcoin issues new Bitcoin for miners that are securing the network. Um, the central bank of US is issuing uh, new money and giving to airlines because the inflation going there, they think they provide a service such that makes sense for them to make the cash of everybody else less worthy while they give value to to airliners. So maybe you agree with that, maybe not, but that's basically what's happening. Um, kind of shifting gears a little bit, given the recent hacks, quote unquote, in the DeFi space, um, BZX, iEarn, the the recent LendF.me, um, quote unquote hack, uh, more than 26 million was lost in these three um, occurrences. So how is NashGuard safeguarding, safeguarding against these types of exploits happening in the Nash ecosystem? Right. I think... Um there is there's a, a incentive misalignment, which is the fastest you get to the market, uh, the better to raise capital, to satisfy your users, to hype your coin, um, to earn more money. Okay? So a lot of those projects, they are not taking the time to do things uh, properly. Okay? And, and that's generate those issues. So um, you see companies saying, oh, they based this contract in this other contract and so on. So when you think about like BZX and Lane uh, issue, it was an iteration of that system with a different token standard or a different mechanism. Uh, so on, on the Lane was the if, uh, ERC-777, I think uh, the standard. And on the BZX was the flash loans, um, how it worked with um, the Oracle of uh, Uniswap. So those iterations were clearly not tested before. So there was not enough testing to, to account for those, those issues. So LaneB could have said, okay, we are listing uh, um, this token, which is a peg for BTC. And this token is this is standard. What are all the possibilities of interactions here? And then build tests for all of those and see if that would have issues. So what Nash does, it's something that uh, people don't like. It's like we move slower. So we really take a lot of care in testing things and, and, and building um, automated testing and, and um, security testing in things so that, um, or what, what we call exposure, right? So like the um, attack surface is as low as possible. So we try to also minimal, minimize as much as we can the logic on the blockchain. So when you think about smart contracts, uh, the, bigger, the bigger your smart contract, the more chances for bugs there is, right? So it's like um, the more code you write, the more likely it is to have failures. So we try to write the least amount of code on the blockchain that we can. And when we do so, we try to define the interfaces in such a way that we can test the most that we can. Mm. But that's not perfect. Mm. We can also make a mistake. Everybody makes a mistake. Then we augment our company. So we hire professionals um, from third-party companies to look into this with new eyes, right? So it's like, uh, it's a 
security of more eyes. So people say that Linux is secure because it has a lot of eyes looking into it, right? That's, that's the idea of open source security. So we hire really good eyes. So people train it to look at these things and see if they find mistakes. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. And uh, when we are uh, like feeling good about it, we release the public. So that, that's how you do securities. It's just a lot of work, a lot of testing and being meticulous about it. Uh, cognizant of your time. Uh, I don't want to take up too much, but I do want to ask uh, about this. The last time we spoke was at DevCon in Seattle, and you commented that at DevCon, there was a much more uh, feeling that the space had become mature. So I'm curious yeah. to hear your thoughts um, on how the NEO ecosystem and the blockchain space has matured even more since the last time we spoke last February in 2019. And maybe even also hear a little bit more about the, the, the progress of developer tooling in the NEO ecosystem. Right. So I think that's still true. And uh, COVID actually accelerated that. So... Um, Teams that do not take care of looking at their financials uh, properly are all going under. And you can see in the uh, reduction of number of projects uh, doing stuff. So, and that's good because it means that uh, stronger teams or, or, or more diligent teams are continuing to build so they can build uh, with more quality. So this is what I call consolidation and I, that continues to happen. So since DevCon, I would say prof professionalization has continued to increase. Uh, just today, there was like an, um, a big article from Bloomberg about this. It's like they're saying that uh, Bitcoin is getting to the tip point and Bitcoin is, is a signal of the blockchain industry and mm -hmm. we are getting to that. Right? And on the new side, I think that you also see the same professionalization. So uh, Seed of Zion changed it to be a company um, uh, to have more structure uh, you have uh, St. Pittsburgh guys becoming like a, a research center. Um, and you have a, a, like a, a branch of NEO in Seattle that's actually dedicated. So it's also professionalization, right? It's also maturity. And I think the tooling being built by those things is of higher quality than you had before as well. So it's, it's a, a lesser number, right? So it's not 50 tools anymore. It's five. But those five are much better tools. Awesome. And before we let you go, um, I just want to hear a little bit about your input on uh, NEO 3. We just saw Preview 2 released yesterday. So I'm just curious to hear about uh, maybe one or two points you're most excited about for the next iteration of the NEO blockchain. Uh, I hope that NEO 3 is just a stepping stone, not the last one. So we'll have NEO 4 and NEO 5 going forward. Uh, for Neo3, the thing that I, I'm most excited about is the simplification. So um, for who, who is not familiar, you had two different systems in Neo, uh, the UTXO and the, uh, the state uh, system. So this is the smart contract and the Neo and, and gas tokens. And now it's just a single thing um, working through smart contract. And then you have native smart contracts for those core features. I think this is like the most meaningful change uh, from a developer perspective, and it enables a lot of other things that are uh, going into new. 
And also much better performance is possible because of this. So I'm really excited to try new tree for this uh, specific thing. And, uh, and that is also good because, as I was saying on security for Nash, it will simplify our systems a lot. So maybe they will become more secure because they are simpler, right? So that's also a, a net positive for the new change. And um, yeah, I'm just hoping to see it soon. Awesome. Is there anything that we haven't covered today that you would like to bring up? Um, I would just invite people to join Nash and, and try for themselves. I think uh, the proof is uh, on trying, right? So people should just create an account, see how it is. There's uh, no KYC needed. You can just go and create an account and yeah, join the revolution. Yes. Join the revolution. Well, Fabio, thank you so much uh, for taking time out of your day to chat with the Neo News Today podcast. It was really appreciated. I think you did. It was really great. Absolutely. Well, have a great day and I'll catch you next time. Well, what did you think of that conversation? One interesting point that really hit home was that Nash tries to write the most basic smart contracts possible to remove any potential blind spots written in excess code. The less code, the less areas for mistakes. It was also really cool to learn about Fabio's perspective on the growth and development of the NEO ecosystem and his hopes that NEO 3 is just a stepping stone and not a final destination. To keep up to date with the latest in the NEO ecosystem, visit www.neonewstoday.com. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to our channels on YouTube, Apple iTunes, and or Spotify. And leave a five-star review if you feel others should hear our content. Every subscription and review helps others learn about the NEO News Today podcast as well as the NEO ecosystem. So thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Neo News Today podcast, and we look forward to catching you next time. <laughs>